Jennifer Zapparelli. Weekday morning from 9 on 2FM. Morning. The following item is not recommended for little ears. Because it's time for a dose of sex therapy with Rachel Cook. Yeah, so guys, when you hear that sound, it means it is sex therapy. And as always, this is a little ears warning. But this week, we are actually going to talk about when little ears do need to hear stuff. Oh yeah, it is time, or is it? It is time for the birds and the bees chat with our little ones. But we all need advice. How do we do it? When do we do it? (laughs) Help me. Our resident sex and relationship therapist, Rachel Cook, is ready to have that talk. You're always ready, aren't you? I'm ready, oh, Jen, I love talking about this. It comes up so often and people are so mortified by it. So let's dig in. I particularly <laughs> wanted to talk about this because uh, a friend of mine and a friend of yours, who yeah. are, uh, Susie, um, yeah, yeah. said to me uh, over the Christmas break, she goes, have you had the chat with Florence yet? I was like, what? She is eight nearly. It's far too young. She goes, oh, no, no, oh, no. And as soon as she said that, I went, God, Maybe you're right. So I had the chat and yeah. it was completely awkward. Um, I don't know if I did the right thing. I don't know if I have scarred her for life in some shape or form, but I wanted to talk to you about it in particular because there's so many parents out there don't know when to start, how to start or what to say. But why is it so important to talk to kids about bodies and sex and consent, even, dare I say, porn? Yeah, I mean, of course, it's so important because kids are finding out this stuff at schools anyway. Yeah. You know, we now know, as you and I talked about long ago and have done touched on many times, it's kind of horrifying that we kind of we, we know now that kids will often have seen some form of porn or sexual content by the age of four or five. Ah! Even if, yeah, ah! which is just crazy young. You know, usually they won't have a phone themselves, presumably at that point. But if they're going to crash, you know, sometimes they might be allowed to watch stuff on um you know that even the the teachers phones at times you know obviously hopefully the teachers aren't showing them any kind of you know dodgy content but i mean just in terms of you know having access to a phone um and if there's other kids older kids looking at it who might know search terms to put in yeah you know, okay so, so are you saying because the accessibility is there now as parents we need to speak to them maybe even younger than we would have had way way okay. younger you know where before, I think, you know, although it would still have been very helpful for people to know about bodies, because we also know, you know, what's really important is that, you know, sexual touching um, is very common between children and in itself is not, you know, necessarily in any way harmful. Um, but it can end up being very confusing for children, particularly if it's between children who are of very different ages. You know, that can be potentially harmful for the, the younger child. So you need to talk to kids about bodies because, of course, they're going to be curious. It's normal for them to want to know about bits, you know, and genitals and the fact that people look different and their bodies are different shapes and sizes and colors and stuff. And so, you know, there is going to be curiosity there. That's part of what's being a child and being human. So I would say, you know, you have to just accept that what is probably going to have for anybody who's, you know, I would say anyone who's an adult, but particularly for people over the age of what, I don't know, 40 or so now, um, there's going to be more stigma because of the, you know, the kind of um, shame around it could have been relating to religion to some degree. It could be being brought up in certain environments, certain types of parenting and just the kind of, you know, um, awareness yeah. of of consent and bodies sure. and stuff. 
that. So the problem is ours, not theirs, is basically what you're saying because we've been so scarred by the past. But um, exactly. my worry, my fear, can I just tell you about yeah. my own experience, Rachel? When I got, Go on, I'm, to- I'm just going to lie down. Hang on, I'm just going to lie down now and talk to you. When I was doing this um, chat, when I was talking about yeah. the birds and the bees, my fear was, am I telling her too much? Like, what is the right information? Um, how much information? What exactly should I be telling her, you know? Yeah, and I think the best approach, and you tell me how this how this went for you, because the other thing is, no matter how badly it goes, you can always redo it, because it's never going to be just one conversation. You know, I hear people all the time who tell me they had one birds and bees conversation with usually their mother, their father generally wasn't involved and that was it and that was their information and then they might have gotten a bit of sex ed at school but basically they found out about sex through kind of reading talking to other people and then for the younger generations it's been through porn which is horrifying mm. so you know you're going to have more conversations with her so you know realistically so it's ongoing so just accept the fact parents out there that this is going to be an ongoing chat so get comfortable with it as soon as possible yeah, or stay uncomfortable, but you're still going to need to do it. Okay. It's okay if you still feel pretty like uptight about it and, you know, on edge and just, you know, like you're you're uncomfortable because you're worried that you're you're saying the wrong thing. Realistically, I would say try and let the child guide you as much as possible. You know, sometimes it might be suitable, depending on their age, to kind of sit them down and go, right, let's talk about these different things. But actually, you can let the child lead you a lot. You can, you know, especially if they're asking questions which is quite common that they'll ask questions from very young about bodies or they might have heard another kid mention something like sex or it could be more related to relationships and gender and stuff like that and sexuality, like a kid saying, you know, what does it mean to be gay? Um, so I would say ask the child what they already know about that area okay. of stuff. So that's and how you gauge. And then you kind of go from there. That's how you gauge it. Okay, that's interesting. Because I always wonder, because obviously different ages, there's different bits of information uh, that are appropriate, I would say, or children can understand. So you gauge that by asking them questions like, what do you know? What would you like to know? That kind of stuff. Exactly. And also because, you know, although there is some sense of age being, you know, you're obviously you're going to be telling a three year old different things to a 10 year old. There's still going to be a massive range in sort of levels of awareness and maturity and kind of interest in, in each child. So, you know, sometimes, you know, th- there will be a five year old and an eight year old who, who can be told the same amounts of things because of just, you know, where they're at in terms of their capacity for communication and understanding and stuff. Um, and also, I would say a lot of this is about protection. You know, you've got to recognize that no matter how uncomfortable you feel, you are very likely to be helping your child to be able to, um, you know, speak to you or to someone if something, you know, happens yeah. to them that is uncomfortable or inappropriate at the hands of another child or, you know, uh, an adult. Um, and so, you know, you're mostly doing this for their protection and telling yourself that, you know, you, sh- you don't need to do it because they're not old enough to know is is not enough. You know, the stats on children experiencing, you know, um, harassment, you know, abuse, sexual, mm-hmm. sexual abuse is are so, so ridiculously high um, that, you know, we've got to do this really We've got young. to talk about it. So what age? OK, give us an age. Are we talking about four, four, five year olds? Yeah. Four, well, five, so we let's say, let's say. 
from the start, for very start, the chat needs to begin before the child can talk. Now, that doesn't mean you're telling them about sex, but it does mean that you tell them about bodies. You know, that you start telling them, ideally, the, you know, the correct words for different parts of the body. I think that it's also okay to have kind of affectionate terms for parts of the body, but often people do that because they feel shame about just saying penis, testicles, vulva, labia, vagina, you know, these words, and we just have to get comfortable with saying them because, you know, using these kind of euphemisms um, uh, often is not going to help the child in terms of, you know, confusion and stuff. So I would say be very clear about bodies from from extremely early on um, and, you know, especially having some kind of knowledge of things like the internal reproductive organs like uterus, fallopian tubes. Again, a child might be more like four, five, six before you can say these words and they may, might not be remembering them all and that's okay. But that, you know, ideally you have enough awareness, you might need to go away and watch a few YouTube videos and listen to maybe some podcasts, talk to other adults about, you know, ways that you feel are most comfortable to explain some of this. I um, had a, a situation, I had a lot of guests in my house over Christmas and yeah. a four-year-old called my brother-in-law a vagina head and I was so proud of him. Woo! That he used Spicy the correct term. And it was weird because my sister-in-law, Lesis, was like, oh, uh, and said to her, no, you're not allowed to say that word. And I was looking at her going, but what What else is she supposed to call it? <laughs> That's what it's called. That's what it is, you know, call it yeah. the correct term. And I was so proud of him. He knew the correct term. Um, so using the right words for body parts, starting off with that and then, and then taking it from there. D- do girls mature faster than boys? I mean, should we be talking to boys and girls differently? What do you think? So there's a, I think there's a lot in, in this topic, actually, because it is assumed, a lot of people assume that girls mature faster because they often have more language, they often have more awareness, they often have, um, you know, a, a lot of closer-knit friends, although we're now realising that that's not actually necessarily the case. It tends to be as boys get older that they, you know, tend to have less close um, emotional kind of communication with their friends, um, which is for all sorts of reasons. But that, you know, I think it is dangerous to assume that girls uh, mature faster. It's much more, I think, to do with the fact that girls are having to deal with harassment and pressure and, um, you know, kind of conforming to, to kind of beauty standards and ideals much, much sooner um, and in ways that, that than boys and, much, you know, in ways that boys don't have to at all. Yeah. And so, you know, girls are simply having to deal with things like, you know, going through um, bodily changes in order, you know, getting periods, menstruating, all of that, growing breasts. You know, obviously boys go through physical changes as well that can be incredibly confusing and embarrassing and all sorts of things for them um but that girls are often also dealing with the added layer of you know harassment from you know uh, teenage and grown men and so it can appear that girls are maturing faster when that's generally not the case now you you touched on it there and i think it's a very valid point especially here in ireland where um our sex education i mean let's not even we did a whole thing on our sex sex education back in the 80s oh my and God, that TV yeah. being wheeled out by the nuns and her just saying ridiculous things um, yeah. uh, so as adults if we're going to be good at this conversation and because we're all you know we don't want our children looking at porn getting their knowledge of sex from porn so how can we shake off the insecurity the embarrassment the shame and the stigma we might have ourselves around sex and talking about it? how do we do that Just keep talking, you know, for some people that will mean they might want to go and do a bit of like, 
you know, there's all sorts of kind of parenting coaches and stuff like that now who will help you with this. If you feel like there is, you know, there's actual, um, not that you need for there to have been sexual trauma in your past, but if there is, or if you feel it would be helpful, then talking to a therapist who works with this kind of stuff can be incredibly useful as well. Um, and then also just, just engage, you know, just, just find books, resources. There's tons of podcasts out there. There's so much more content now available for parents and adults in general, because this isn't just for the parents, you know, it can also be for the aunties, the uncles, the godparents, the cousins, you know, the family friends who, you know, ideally there's going to be lots of people involved yeah. in helping, um, you know, children be able to get this information because although, you know, parents can have their own way of parenting for sure. And that needs to be respected. You know, often it's about the pressure and the isolation that people in nuclear families are experiencing, um, you know, because they're they're kind of alone in trying to do this with their kids and often not feeling very supported by the school system, considering, you know, the state of sex education, which has definitely improved, but it's nowhere near what it needs but to be. I don't feel it's their job. I really feel, and this is one thing I said to Florence when yeah. um, I told her her babies were made, I was like, if you have any questions, it was as awkward as it was, any questions, you want to know anything, you come to me. I mean, I will always be here for you if you have any questions or you want to know anything. I think that line is very important to say because she will have questions. But I want I want her to come to me. I don't want her to go to her friends and get misinformation or I don't want her to go online. I want her to come to me and, and ask me. And I think that is so important um, to stop will help maybe going forward mm. confusion and shame and God forbid abuse down the line uh, if they know they can go to their parents sure isn't that we're winning if they if we get to that stage I mean that is huge I would say it is up there with possibly being the most important thing you don't have to know all the answers because as you and I have talked about before Jen you can always say to the to the kid that's a really good question do you know what I'm going to have to think about that or actually I don't know for sure about that thing. Why don't we read a book together? Why don't I, you know, go away and find us something that we can read or watch together so that we can, you know, do that and then talk about it. You know, it's okay not to have all of the, the kind of knowledge and answers. You just need to be open to, to the child because the thing is, almost certainly they are going to see porn before they become a teenager anyway. Yikes. And so, you know, you need to be as open as possible, like telling them that they shouldn't be watching porn or telling them that they shouldn't be kissing other children or engaging sexually is, you know, we know from extensive research, trying to ban children from doing things isn't what leads them to not, you know, it doesn't, doesn't stop them. It usually just means that they start doing it in secret mm -hmm. and often they end up doing it in even more kind of unsafe ways because they don't feel supported. So they're doing it, you know, in secrecy and with a sense of shame. And so the best thing you can do is absolutely talk to them about, you know, uh, coming to you and, and discussing that. Yeah. Another thing just to point out, I did say to her, uh, which I felt was very important because when I was walking her to school, she was like, yeah. and do I tell my friends about the yes? I was like, no, no. No, no, that conversation is for your friends and their parents. It's not a conversation you need to be having with your friends. Uh, you can let them go to their parents and have that grown-up chat, um, yeah. which is uh, probably important to say. Rachel, um, just what are some decent resources people can share with their kids? Do you know of any? Do you know what? These days, I feel like, of course, you have to be, you know, Google is not necessarily your friend in every way because it can bring up all sorts of results. But actually, 
there are quite a few. If you literally Google, you know, how to talk to kids about sex, there are some books great and books out there. And stuff, yeah. Yeah, and you can find, you know, there's Sex is a Funny Word. That's a great book by Corey Silverberg and uh, Fiona Smith. Um, and then there's also one called The Sex and Pleasure Book, which has a really decent section on how to talk to kids about sex. Um, and there's tons and tons of websites. But um, I, my mom will be laughing listening to you, Jen, because what you just said about um, talking to other kids, she will be in, in bits because I uh, she always tells a story about how I, as a kid, after she told me about sex, I went and told everybody Everyone. in my class at school. And she got called into the school because I was um, telling everybody about, uh, about blowjobs. <laughs> Well, I would expect nothing less. If I'm honest <laughs> with you, I expect nothing less. Uh, this has been a, a great chat. All kind of tailored for younger kids. We haven't even touched on teens and how to talk to them because obviously that's a different conversation. We might come back next week and, and focus on teens and let our listener have a chance to text in any questions, anything they need to know or any, any road they want to go down. How about that, Rachel? Brilliant. Love cool. it. Thanks, Talk love. Bye, bye, bye. There we go. Rachel Cook, psychotherapist, mental health consultant. She is on Rachel Jane Cook with the knee on the end on Instagram. If you want to ask her anything or follow her or if you have any questions, if you would like us to talk about anything specifically next week in relation to this subject, you can email the show jen at rt.ie. have to say the HSE have a very uh, good, uh, the very good advice for parents on... Um, it's sexualwellbeing.ie. You can go and check it out. There's videos there. There's booklets on the website. And it's actually divided into age sections, which is handy. So you have like four to seven, which is me. Then you have the eight to 12. And then you have 13 to 18. Very, very. So it's handy. I mean, the resources are there now. They weren't years ago. I would love, right, if my ma sat me down now and gave me sex education. Because it's never too late, Myra. It's never too late. You've never done It's never too oh, it is too late actually Jennifer Zapparelli weekday morning from 9 on 2FM